0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders Podcast for the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Acklet. Joined by the former Raider Brake Stanford Route. Plus, our guest on this week's podcast is the Ank Spectrum. Southern California, Channel 1. He also hosts L.A. Times Today, in which we work together, anchors L.A. Dodgers coverage on Spectrum Sports at L.A., also co-hosts on Fox Sports Radio. He's also a Lions fan and proud to call him a friend, Kelvin Washington. Man, that was one hell of an <laughs> introduction for you.
0: Listen, I'm going to tell you what it is.
1: You set the bar high, so any I, this is another the <laughs> expectation.
0: This is what I, I don't. Oh, this is Kelvin right here. No, 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 I need that. Matter of fact, it was to the point, I ain't going to lie, Standing for a minute there, I thought I passed away. He was <laughs> giving my <laughs> You
2: know I what, like Kelvin? It, I like it.
1: And, like, here's what I was like. How can I describe Kelvin? Kelvin, you're like the Andre Iguodala of media because you could come in, you could talk sports, you could talk news, you could talk pop culture, you could start, you can come off the bench. Whatever we need, that's you. That's high praise I'm giving you right
0: there. You know what? I'll take it. Um Iguodala is one of those players you you think maybe Hall of Fame the way oh. it works because of a lot of success, a lot of winning teams. Not necessarily I would you know the individual, but you're like big moments, clutch. So I get that. Uh, I used to say this is before we've had some great six man like right before Jamal Crawford became the guy. I used to call myself the Black Manu Ginobili. Like hey, you know, <laughs> this, you need me to hear. I'm really a starter, but I can come off the bench, coach. What you yeah. what you need, you know? Uh, but I I'll tell you this. On a serious note, to your point, Dennis, and you and I have talked plenty about it. Um, LA has afforded me the opportunity to do so, and specifically Spectrum. I got to be very complimentary of them. You know, I also a very, as you know, serious news show. We're covering Israel Hamas. We're covering this. We're covering that. Fires, elections. But then, in the midst of that, I get to have fun and do sports and do it my way. Uh, Have you know little nuggets here that that bring some levity uh or just my style my flair and so uh with that they allow me like you said to do the dodgers do stuff with you guys at la times today so i've been afforded through spectrum i gotta give them a lot of credit the ability to jump in different lanes uh and i think that's resonated with folks when, when they watch the shows they're like oh i think they, they feel like they're getting their updates their news their information their fun from a guy that they're like oh i feel like i can go have lunch with that guy
1: yeah right all right. Well, let's talk some football. How does that sound? And uh, both our teams, the Raiders and Lions, coming off bad losses. Uh, the Raiders lost to the Bears at a Division Two quarterback who had never started an NFL game, thirty to twelve. And then, Calvin, your know, Lions took it on the chin from the uh, Baltimore Ravens by a score of thirty-eight to six. So, Stan, let me start with you. Which loss was worse?
2: Oh wow, which I'm at out of the Lions and the Raiders? Yep. uh I would say I think the. I'm not sure what the final score of the Lions game was against the Ravens. Thirty-eight-six. So, 38, six. Yeah. So the uh, the the Lions lost by more, but I would say that uh, the Raiders lose to the Bears. A division two quarterback who's a rookie, never started a game in the NFL before. I would probably say that's a worse loss um, than the than the Detroit Lions because the Lions are what still five and two, lead the NFC North. Uh, The Raiders are three and four. I don't even know where they are in the AFC West. I know they're not number one. (laughs) Uh, Maybe they're two, three, or something like that. But we know the Broncos are dead last. They suck. But uh, definitely, I would go with the Raiders uh, losing in the fashion they lost to. I mean, they're they're bouncing off Deontay Foreman like like, like they're bowling ball pins. Uh, So it's definitely uh, the Raiders over the lines as far as which was the worst loss. Stan, maybe you can
1: come out of retirement and teach Marcus uh, Peters (laughs) <laughs> had a tackle on uh, playing the quarterback <laughs> position. Stop doing that Olay, uh, whatever he's doing. All right, Kelvin, I'll go to you. What loss do you think was worse? I think it's actually, believe it or not, pretty easy. It it's the Raiders. Uh the
0: Lions, first of all, let's give some credit to the Ravens. They are like 16 and one against teams in the NFC. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, these these guys, what happens is you all know from playing sports when you're growing up, or just from covering it long enough. You ain't used to that, and what I mean is, when you go into it's like Golden State, right? You you I play ball, we play these NBA teams. When you go up there and Golden the State, it's a different thing. Pop 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 pop. You're like, what just happened? And so playing Lamar Jackson was like that for the for the Lions. They just hadn't played anyone like that. They weren't ready for that. Even though they opened the season up against Kansas City and played Pat Mahomes, that's a different style, right? Okay, he's gonna throw. He's gonna be more in the pocket. Lamar Jackson was because of the the threat of the run. Guys are getting open. He's finally got a couple of receivers. Andrews Andrews is back. So I think they're 5-2. and two. It was also a good loss for the Lions in that. little smack in the face. Maybe they're feeling themselves a little bit, right? The town's loving you. The national media is loving you. Feeling good. It was a good wake-me-up. The Raiders, it's not that it was a horrible loss in the sense of, you know, the Vikings aren't terrible. They've been solid the last few years. But it's more so you need to get it going, right? You need to keep – I mean, not the Vikings, sorry, the Bears – you gotta you. You're trying to show some life, right? You're trying to get some things going, get some momentum. If you're the Raiders, and they weren't able to do that, and then again, you lose to a guy we don't know. I guess he was trying to get his previous Brock Purdy on, not the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But he, he become Mister Irrelevant that we're all knowing about now. Uh, so I, I think it's the Raiders. I think the Lions was just a good wake up call, and uh, you know they can they can write the ship.
1: All right, Stan, I owe you and Raider Nation an apology because on our last podcast, I said, oh, Brian Hoyer, he's the right, uh, he's the right, he's the safe choice uh, for them to start and only did is, uh, you know, he went out and completed barely over 50% of his passes through a couple picks, including a pick six. So, man, oh, man, I couldn't have been more off on that one. All right, fellas, let me get this promo read in here and then we can move on. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get The latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code Believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, I want to read you the Josh McDaniels uh, resume of futility, and this is you don't I'm really saying. have to. But I'm going to do it for everybody. And so I want Kelvin to understand this as well, because maybe he might understand it being a Lions fan, what we're going through right now. So 24 games into his tenure, Stan, uh, as we just mentioned, he lost to an undrafted D2 rookie quarterback, making his first start. Lost to a high school coach in his first game. That would be last year's Jeff Saturday (laughs) in the Colts. Blew a double digit lead to a quarterback who had never practiced with his team. That was last year, the LA Rams and Baker Mayfield. Blew the biggest lead in franchise history, 20 points to the Cardinals last year. Blew three other double-digit leads last year as well. Got shut out in the game, which the starting offense did not cross midfield. That would be the Saints game last year. He is 9-15. Stan, let me ask you this. Uh, if Mr. Al Davis was still alive, would Josh McDaniels be coach of the Oakland Raiders, a bigger part of the Las Vegas Raiders right now?
2: He probably would have fired him while they were on the, term, the, tar, the tarmac at, uh, at <laughs> O'Hare or, uh, or Midway or whatever airport they flew into he probably would have fired him uh, right then and there in the locker room and told him to get his own plane ticket home.
1: But, Stan, here's the deal. You and I have talked about that McDaniels is probably going to stick around until the end of the year and maybe beyond unless he loses his locker room and maybe ends up with – got three wins right now. They're three and four. Look, they got some more winnable games on the schedule. I mean, just what I read to you right there, I mean, that's the grounds it's not coming back for for year three.
2: I mean, yeah, that's going to be very difficult to come back from, but – Like I said, you know, there's seven games in, obviously 10 more games left. If the Raiders were somehow, some way able to win, I'd say half of those games and wind up going eight and nine or possibly nine and eight, something like that. I could actually I could actually fathom a scenario where Josh McDaniels is back for a third year just because. Nobody was expecting the Raiders to make a serious push for the playoffs this year. Nobody was expecting them to be an AFC contender uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So when you look at it, you tailor those expectations or should should I say temper them. That's what gives you some leeway to go ahead and empathize with the Josh McDaniels just because he already was going to be heading up a ball club that nobody was going to have high expectations for coming into this year.
1: Kevin, I'll give you one second. One more for you, Stan. We'd be roasting Al Davis right now if he was alive. Why is not he fired Josh McDaniels? Are we giving his son Mark a hall pass for this one?
2: I think we're probably giving him a little bit of a hall pass because we know that for Mark Davis, obviously with him doing the job that he's been doing ever since, what, about over a decade, ever since Al passed, God rest his soul, we know that Mark doesn't have that passion that Al did. We all know that. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know football. It just means that he doesn't have that same burning passion that Al did, who was always at the facility every single day on Thursdays when we work on third down pass and things like that. Or Al would come down with his walker and at least kind of survey everything as far as practice was going. You don't really see that much out of Mark Davis. And I think because of that, that's why we probably internally, that's why we subconsciously give him a little bit of a pass because He's not hands-on like Al was. Al was a fanatic. Al was – he was maniacal with how he ran the Oakland and now Las Vegas Raiders. So I think that we're giving giving Mark a little bit of a pass just because he's not going to be all the way locked in and all the way maniacal like his dad was.
1: All right, Kelvin, I'll switch it to you. If I just read you a coach's resume that read like that, would you expect him to be gone at the end of the year? Well,
0: of course. But here's the thing. There's certain folks in life, we all know it, your work, your job, your family that are just privileged. They've just <laughs> been privileged. And Josh Daniels <laughs> is just privileged. And you say, what do I mean? What I mean is many folks ain't bouncing back from the way he had the Broncos, his tenure with the Broncos. Yeah. They're not bouncing back from that. They are permanently for the rest of their career, at least in the pros, an assistant coach. Right. And they never maybe they get one random shot when they're 62 on the way out. Kind of a thing. He gets a shot. He's getting multiple shots. And some of those Bill Belichick guys have gotten those multiple shots. Romeo Cornell's and the all folks. And so I think there's an element of that. But something I'll throw out there. Before we just to standpoint, start to fire him by the end of the year, midseason, whatever it may be. What's Tom Brady's involvement in this? Tom Brady being, you know, part owner and down with the Raiders and all that. Josh McDaniels, his guy, whole lot of success together. What's that involved? Meaning, you know, we all had a little, like I said, privilege where that's my uncle over there. I can eat this pizzeria for free. You know, or my dad owns this, you know, whatever it may be. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of that going on where Tom's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just give my guy a little bit more time
2: well two things on that on that that you just said Kelvin and I'll go ahead and just first of all and I just want to add something else to Josh McDaniel's resume that bolsters what you're saying about him being privileged let's all remember how he was about to take the head coaching job for the Indianapolis mm-hmm. Colts and then backed out at the last second so let's go ahead and remember that as right. well adding to the uh the opinion of him being privileged like what Kelvin just so uh just so eloquently said and now on that I'm not in those boardrooms. I'm not in the in the meeting rooms or anything like that. But for Tom Brady, he's got I think a min, a minority stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. Not yeah. sure how big or how small that minority stake is. Uh, but I I don't think that he would have enough of a stake from a financial perspective and just the cachet with Mark Davis, where he could actually be calling the shots on. No, nah, I want to. I want Josh McDaniels to stay. I think that. If Mark Davis wants Josh McDaniels gone, I think Josh McDaniels is gone.
0: I don't I don't disagree with that at all as far as final say, but I do think – I'll give you a great example. You look at Magic Johnson and the role he plays in a lot of the teams. Mm-hmm. You're right. He doesn't have final say, but he's a big part of it. He's a part of what gets folks – for instance, if, time, if part of the agreement, hey, we're going to part ownership, da-da-da, can you show up to some games, Tom? Can you be in a Vegas? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah absolutely. Like it's a part of it, right? It adds to it, and so you kind of want to make that guy happy a little bit. And so you're right. If, if Mark is like, yo, he's got to go, he's got to go. <laughs> but you wonder if there were not already conversations prior to, you know, hey, bringing him in. You know, he's a, whatever Tom said. We believe in that. He's this. He's that kind of guy. We believe in his work ethic, whatever it is. Tom, you know, so okay, good. We bring him in. Uh, but yeah, he, he nothing about him excites me. I'll say this last point and get to you, Da matt patricia the lions are a solid team for the first time you can say that under james caldwell not great had to postseason run but a team you had to beat very respect of uh, respectable you had to go into detroit or if they were coming to town you got to beat up yeah. mm-hmm. they let go of jim caldwell i'm telling you as a lifelong fan and friends that was a big if had they not been successful now that would have been the first time in my life they finally, finally, even after zero and sixteen started to lose fans, and the reason why, you at least has stability. Was it exciting? No, but then it's fine if you let them go, but you let them go for Matt Patricia, no real background, doesn't do anything, carries a number two pencil with a laminated sheet. We writing down or we laminated? Which one are we doing? I don't. Know. You can't. What are we doing? And so, that's the kind of thing where I'm saying some of these guys got these opportunities where you're like. What? And Josh yeah. McDaniel, nothing about him excites anybody. He's, not, he's proven to
1: be a very good coordinator, not a head coach. Right. Two things real quick. I don't think Brady's officially uh, part owner of the Raiders. I don't know if that has gone through yet. Just to clear that up. Second of all, um, how much do you think Tom Brady, though, the player has influenced that second chance that McDaniels has gotten with the Raiders? I,
2: not, think, not, it's not, I think it's huge. Yeah, I think it. I think it's safe to say that it's a sizable amount because we all know Tom Brady has more Super Bowl championships than any team in the NFL or any team in NFL history. So obviously his word is going to carry weight. There's no doubt about that. He's always spoken highly of Josh McDaniels and rightfully so. He's won several Super Bowls with Josh McDaniels. So I could definitely see uh, his word playing a big part in him getting a second chance but I also think that that's what's going to get him this being his last chance is because even though Tom Brady spoke highly of him we see what happened with the Denver Broncos obviously he drafted Tim Tebow in the first round come on but it's how he started with the Denver Broncos remember he tried to trade for uh for uh, Matt Castle it mm-hmm. didn't go through Jay Cutler found out that's why Jay Cutler was then traded to the Chicago Bears cuz he demanded one and then obviously we see what happened with the Indianapolis Colts. We all know that. And then now this job with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So definitely he might, just like what Kevin said, he might have one more chance in him, you know, 10 years down the line. Somebody just wants to show a a sign of goodwill or something like that. But he definitely um, he's definitely running out of chances with the job that he's doing right now. But yeah, to your point, DA. Yeah. This is a very good chance that uh, Tom Brady's word is uh is really helping him stay afloat.
1: All right, let's move on now. Let's talk about, Kelvin, your Detroit Lions are 5-2, off of their best start since 2014. I mean, you can make the case, Jerry Goff, uh, I'll put him in the MVP category. I will. I'll throw him in there along with some other guys. But uh, 11 touchdowns, what, just a couple of picks maybe? Uh, they had their four-game winning streak snap. He's got a lot of weapons to play with. I mean, uh, what is it, Amon St. Brown, Jamison Williams, guys like that. But, Kelvin, when I asked him, I'm like, hey, why don't you come on the podcast with him? Your Lions are off to a great start. You're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, slow your roll. How how come you're not buying into this team? I mean, I got to figure the Niners, Philadelphia, and Detroit right now are the favorites in the NFC."
0: Well, yeah, I, so okay, two questions there. One, I'll start with why I'm not overly crazy. It's not that they've not been good since the second half of last season. It's not that they don't look very promising this year. The issue is I've been an abused fan for 40 years, okay? I have not seen but one one playoff victory when I was like 10 or 11 years old, okay? So, the issue is, we as a lot of Detroit Lions fans, and me not living directly in the city anymore, you know, being in Los Angeles, you you wanna, this is so good, please let this not be a dream, let this not be a dream, let this not be a dream.
2: You don't and want them to you're tease You're not
0: overly like, yeah, woo. You're like, this is good. This Hey, and, 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 DA! This is weird for me, okay? Everywhere I go, you're Lions! Hey, you heard about a bunch of walk around a job. I see your lines, baby. This is the year. And it's like, okay, this is weird. It's like, oh, my gosh. Now all of a sudden we got pressure. We have expectations. You know, you see how that works, you know. And, and so it makes you just like, just just let this go right. Not even a Super Bowl, obviously. Because meaning, if this is what we all expect, then maybe have a three-year window, you know. So maybe mm-hmm. it's not this year, but you're like, okay, next year. Okay, it's not two years, but we got it. So this year, you're like, if they win a game or two in the postseason, what a heck of a season. You yeah. know, now once you win a game, you're like, all right, well, let's shoot. Let's, depending on how it works out, that could lead you to the Super Bowl or an NFC championship, depending on where you're seeding. Point is, that's great, right? Because then you're like, all right, we're there. We're in the, you know, next year could be the year for the Super Bowl. But you just want to get there, man, because it, it, it's just been rough for, as a fan of the Lions. Now, Jared Goff, listen, when he got traded, I remember telling everybody, because it was two quarterbacks I was familiar with. I live in LA, covered the Rams. Watch every snap of Matthew Stafford's life, as a pro, I should say. And and what I told people was, Matthew Stafford is more naturally talented. His arm, but his arm is also his greatest strength and weakness because sometimes he depends on it, and he over, you know, I, I know I can get this there, and he throws it too far. Or he just, you're like, ah, it's a little frustrating because he's so talented. Derek Goff's the opposite, right? He's a more natural thrower. It's nothing spectacular about it, you know, pocket guy, but. There's something to knowing your limitations, right? And mm-hmm. so you're not expecting him to run and roll out, do all that. And now they got that weapons. The last point I'll say the, what makes them good, you don't know where it's coming from. Matthew Stafford's apex, it was kind of like, I'm bombing this thing to Calvin Johnson. You yep. know it, I know it. Are y'all going to stop it? And it got one dimensional and it got to where teams could be like, all right, if we could just hold him to, you know, six catches, 95 yards, whatever, nothing crazy, we got a great shot. You know, and with this Lions team, they're running the ball well. They're passing it all over the field. You don't know where it's coming from. And the defense has gotten better and better and better. Sands, of course, last week with the Ravens. So it's a scary team because you're like, man, it's diverse in their approach. And you don't really know where it's coming from. So very optimistic. But I'm trying to hold it inside. y'all. Okay, I'm trying to hold it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right, Stan, let me, let me ask you this. The Raiders struggled with the Bears team last week, and we already mentioned a Division Two quarterback. So when a team like this with Jared Goff, like I said, I think is a, a MVP candidate and so many weapons. You're Patrick Graham. How do you scheme this the Raiders' defense for this Lions offense?
2: Oh, man, I think uh, you're going to have to find ways to get the ball out of Jared Goff's hands uh, because Jared Goff is more of a pocket passer. He's not somebody that's overly mobile. I'm going to sit up and I'm going to actually try to blitz him from right up the middle. I want to get him out of the pocket. That's where he's probably going to be the most uncomfortable. I want to get him off the spot. I want to get the ball out of his hands very quickly. I want to rattle him. I remember so many times with him playing for the Los Angeles Rams, and I I know several people who are Rams fans, and that it basically told me, like, Stan, like when the trade went down between him and Matt Stafford, that they are like, Stan, I, I I've had it up to here with the – deer in headlights look that jared Goff gives uh whenever he's facing a lot of pressure so that's what i would do but nonetheless like i said if the raiders come to play the same way they did against the bears then they're just going to get blown out on national tv on monday night football there's no doubt about that because the lions playing pretty good on defense obviously we see aiden hutchinson is the real deal and i think that unless they stop the run and find ways to get the ball out of the air because we know they're not forcing that many damn turnovers. Mm-mm. I think that um, I think that it's, it, it's a fool's errand to actually expect them to win or to have some sort of a great showing if they don't do those things. So when you ask that question, DA, I mean, yeah, I could go up here and, and list a myriad of things or keys to victory, but the likelihood or the possibility of them being able to actually execute That right there is what always gives me cause to pause. Indeed, it should.
1: All right, I want to move on to a different topic. Um, Stan, uh, we all know you played eight years in the NFL. You are currently an assistant coach for University of Houston. Now, Michigan has come under a lot of fire for allegedly stealing signs from opposing teams. So, Stan, I want to ask you this. How much does that bother you when you hear something like that? And what if an opposing team was doing that to you guys? How do you react to something like that?
2: Well, given what I've seen on, on uh, with some of the pictures where they actually have like the actual piece of paper, the laminated, like what Kelvin said, the laminated piece of paper uh, with uh, like pictures of all the signs or the hand signals. I think that's a little bit too far. But as far as stealing someone's signal, stealing someone's language or verbiage whenever they're on the field, that's the name of the game. Like I can remember plenty of times like we'd be going to get to team and they may call out dragon. Or they may come call out some other name, and Namdi would come to the sideline literally talking to himself, like, okay, dragon means double slant, like things like that. So, I mean, that's a part of the game. Like, you want to try to see if you can get an advantage, an edge against your opponent. Now, what Michigan is doing is probably taking it a step too far with you writing it down, having the laminated piece of paper, uh, somebody buying, purchasing tickets. For so uh, the next opponent to the, the the to a game of the next opponent on the schedule, so you could go ahead and steal their signals from the previous game and use it in your game. That's probably taking it a step too far. But as far as just simply stealing somebody's signals, if you're fortunate enough to do that on offense or defense, then you have an advantage in the game, and that's the that's the objective of football is trying to gain an advantage. If you get to the point to where you know that. When the quarterback does this, he's telling that he's telling that receiver, "Hey, go ahead and take off on a nine route or take off on a goal ball." That's football. So uh, I don't really, uh, I don't condemn them for stealing the signals. I condemn them for the extent at which they're going to do it. But nonetheless, just like what Kelvin said, if you're playing against the Detroit Lions and somehow, some way, you figure out that Matthew Stafford's looking to throw it to Calvin Johnson, you still have to stop it. You still got to be able to jump with Calvin Johnson, get the ball out of the air. So I remember what uh, Deion Sanders said a couple days ago about how you still have to stop it. I'm right there with him because even if you know what the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s were going to do, what Emmitt Smith in that offensive line, you still had to find a way to stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Like So we know that the Kansas City Chiefs are looking for Travis Kelsey. And in years past, it was Tariq Hill. And apparently, nobody freaking knew because nobody could stop it. So, even if you know what the next, what the other team is about to do, you still have to be able to execute to be able to go ahead and thwart their progress. Otherwise, it really doesn't mean much anything.
1: All right, Kelvin, I'll get to you in one second. But, Stan, going back to Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford. And, Kelvin, you might remember this. It was the Lions Raiders at the Oakland Coliseum. It was late in the season. The Raiders needed to stop. Matthew Stafford throws up a Hail Mary for Calvin Johnson, and he catches it between Rolando McClain and what was it, Boyd? What was Boyd? Uh, Stan, who was Boyd on the Raider teams? But anyways, it's like, what the hell are those two? You got a linebacker and a safety covering Calvin Johnson, and the Raiders, of course, went on to lose that game 28-27. Stan, I know you remember that one.
0: Calvin, I, yes. should...
1: I, really I do remember See? that. Yes. Okay. that was, I that do. came up with the name
0: the Cardiac Cats because they started to come back <laughs> all the time. The line That was when they were at their best. They got down and Matthew Stafford was like, screw it. Playbook, schmebook," book. And he just started flinging that thing. And that was when they were became the Cardiac Cats because mm-hmm. it was like they were better off when they were down yeah. because Matthew just started chucking that boy like he was in the backyard to, all over the place. Golden Tate and, and, and uh, Calvin Johnson
1: and the boys. It was just, yeah, it was a, what a time to be alive. Yeah, was, <laughs> Sam Boyd. was it Sam Boyd Stan? Is that name right? It was Sam Boyd and Rolando McClain, I think, right? Sam Boyd?
2: Uh, this is 2011, correct?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So you guys, yeah, no, nice.
2: Jerome Boyd, Jerome Boyd.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, Kelvin, you're the, you're a uh, Michigan man. You're from the great state of Michigan. What do you make of all this?
0: Not even just the great state. I'm born and raised, literally, in the Ann Arbor, Michigan hospital, University of Michigan hospital. Uh, so this is this is near and dear. Uh, I'm very connected to the school. My wife went to there. My high school, when they showed the blimp shot, was right next to University, literally. Hey, hey, the big house, right there. You know, uh, um, hmm. into plenty of games. I'll say this. To me, this signals a couple of things. Number one, it signals the NCAA doesn't like your boy Jim Harbaugh. If <laughs> you get the crosshairs to somebody, they after your butt. And it, yep. they seem to be after him. That he's hanging out in his khakis and boys in the trees looking for recruits. He's doing this. It's like every year and a half or so, we find, you know, it's something else with Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh. So I feel like he's in the crosshair. So is this to to uh, to Stan's point? Was this the worst thing on earth? No. Does this happen all the time? I would argue it's Houston Astros. We know everybody still signs. They took it too far allegedly with Altuve and having stuff yeah. in his you know in his uh, jersey. Somebody up top spying up there in the rafters. Um, what what I what I will also say though is. The trouble when you do this with the NCAA is if you go back to when they made this rule in 94 that you couldn't do this, it was because they were saying, well, it's not fair because Michigan obviously going to have a bunch of money. They can send a guy and go recruit and look at the scout of the yeah. teams, other, you know, Youngstown, Ohio, whatever. They can't do that. That's not fair. But now with the technology where it is and everybody has access to phones and, you know, you got all different types of cameras and all that. It's almost like it is what it is now. And it, i genuinely weirded out by this. stand, Da, if y'all play, I know, well, clearly I know y'all played sports growing up. When I played high school basketball, and we had to go play Detroit Pershing or Belleville or you know uh, Detroit Renaissance or Flint Northwestern, they would come back and we would watch a tape of their previous game. So I'm confused on. I'm genuinely confused on what like we filmed them. Our coach would go. One of the assistants come back. All right, here's what they like to do. Kelvin, yeah. you're gonna have to watch this guy. He likes to shoot late in the game. What, what and I understand it's you know, maybe you're literally looking at the signals, but to me, when the NCAA does this stuff, I'm okay. Like, all right, this is what you're gonna do. You have to now do this all the time. And With that's everybody. You're all right, so we're will- opening up this can, then I'm gonna need you to start going to Miami and go to Alabama mm-hmm. and go to SC. You to me? Otherwise, it looks like it's just a witch hunt on Jim Harbaugh. So if you're opening this can, you if you're opening a steroid can in major league baseball, that needs you to go to everybody, right? It can't just mm-hmm. all right. Let's start. So that's my thing. All right, NCAA, be careful. Because now you might have a bunch of teams ineligible or you know suspended or however it works. If you start doing that, because you think Jim Harbaugh, and the Michigan Wolverines are the only team doing this. Hell oh, no. no. Oh no.
1: Come on. That's naive. Now you now you're being naive.
0: Right, so it's like, all right, it's like when they start when you do the whole, oh, we've heard he paid this linebacker. Like, it's the most in the open. You know, I don't want to call it a lie, but like, you know, everybody knew we made movies about it and blue chips, and like, we knew cats were getting paid. And it wasn't everybody Mm -hmm. know, but we knew this. We knew fake classes, and you send the nerd in to go take somebody's test. Like, we knew this. So it gets to me. It gets really tricky when, like, all right, well, how are you going to legislate it, and who are you going to legislate it against? Is it guys you don't like? Is it schools that are kind of maybe more flippant to, towards you in CAA? Like, how are you going to legislate it? Because we know everybody's
1: doing it. hmm I agree. All right. Well, look, if, if Jim Harbaugh ever gets tired of the NCAA and wants to come on back to the NFL, I know where there's a team that would welcome him with open arms. I, I, I bet. I think
0: it's in the title of this show.
1: All right, we all love the NBA, and uh, the NBA is underway. So I'm going to do this. I want to do. Uh, we'll go around. We'll talk our favorite teams. We're going to talk over/under on the win totals coming out of Vegas, and I want to know who you guys got in the finals. So, Calvin, you're our guest. Your Detroit Pistons over/under is 28 and a half wins.
0: They lost a close one tonight by one. Uh, I have to get a chance to look at, fully look at the highlights. Uh, you said 28, 28 and a half, 28 want- and a half. You Know, I'm going to take the over.
1: Whoa, what well, is, is Joe Dumars playing? Is Bill Lamb here? Isaiah <laughs> ain't coaching this team, Calvin. In the words of the late, great
0: Nate Dog, hold up, let me finish. Now, think about this they're playing most of their games, will be in where the Eastern Conference. There's not a lot of teams, yes, they're, they're a little top heavy. Obviously, you got the Celtics, you got the Bucks, yeah. but. There's a lot of teams that, they and maybe the year will fold out where I want to take this back, but as of right now, you're not overly worried about the Cavs every night, and they look solid down in the mids, but I'm saying you're not like, if I play them four or five, six times, or four times, it's not like I can't beat them once or twice. The Pacers, mm-hmm. you know, the cat. I already said the Cavs, but Orlando, you know, there's a, there's a handful of teams where you're just like, the Nets, they don't overly worry. You know, Washington's you, pretty bad. Washington's bad, like so there's some dubs to be had out in the East. And, you know, and obviously you feed on the bottom of the West where teams are still trying to figure some things out. Plus, they got a lot of talent that I think people haven't. You didn't see Kay Cunningham for a year. You're about to see Kay Cunningham. You got Ivy. You got Durin, You got uh, Killian Hayes. And they're going to make a move. But Bogdanovich is not going to stay there. He's, right. he's going to go to some contender who needs that six-man type of guy to score. Killian Hayes probably isn't going to stay there. I Meaning they got nice pieces to be traded. So I, I'm actually confident in this team. I said I told you they are two years away, including this season, from being the Eastern Conference version of the Memphis Grizzlies. The last couple of years.
1: All right, fair enough. Look, I'm a little bit of a homer on this, but I hope James Wiseman works out, man, and I hope he turns into a superstar for you. I really do. All no, right, Stan. Superstars little... happen. Okay. You
0: took it too far. I, I roll with you <laughs> on the workout part. You know, give me. Give me
1: 12 and 8 kind of guy. You said okay. superstar. Wheel it on back. <laughs> All right, Stan, your San Antonio Spurs. Over-under for them is also 28 and a half.
2: Yeah, I was actually just thinking when you said 28 ass. Like, that sounds like a nice over-under for the Spurs, too. Um <sighs> I would have to go with slightly over. Slightly. I think uh I envision them being somewhere in that. I'd say. 32 and 50, you know, type of range, something like that. So, I would go over, but slightly over. All right.
1: My Warriors, 47 and a half. You're going over. Oof. Honestly, that's a great number because if I go over, I think it's only 48. But if I go under, I think it's 46. So, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say a smidge over. And the only reason why I'm going to say that because I think, <clears throat> Kelvin, you and I were talking about this. They get Andrew Wiggins for a full season. Yeah. That, that's fair. They hit for a full season. Chris Paul is that floor general that they haven't had after Steph Curry goes out, goes to the bench. It's like who takes over? They led the league in turnovers a year ago. I think Chris Paul makes a big difference there. They only had 11 uh, on their opening night against the Phoenix Suns. I know they lost, and then once they get Draymond back, uh, look at the West is crowded. I think you got Phoenix, you got the Lakers, you got the Warriors, yeah. and hell, you got the Denver Nuggets. We haven't even mentioned them, and they're defending champions. You know that's the crazy thing is. Nobody's really talking about them. So, all right, now let's move on. Our NBA Finals picks. Kelvin, once again, you're the guests. You're up first. Who you got?
0: The homer in me is in the sense of living in L.A. and being a big time. You know how I feel about LeBron. I want to say the Lakers. But uh, I, I, I don't, I just, 80 is my, is the, I don't think I'm alone in this. He's just the issue. I think he'll continue to be the issue. The ups and downs, the roller coaster ride of it all. So I'm thinking we're gonna get what we thought we were gonna get last year in the Denver Nuggets taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. Do you want okay. the winner of that, or you just want the finals?
1: All right, do you want to give me a winner? You give me a winner?
0: It it's gonna be the Bucks in seven.
2: All right.
1: Stan, who do you got?
2: Man. I actually was gonna say the Bucks and the Nuggets. <laughs> Uh, except, uh, I would go with the nuggets. I think they're a more complete team. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, obviously Jamal Murray, him and, uh, him and Joker, that's a fierce combination. And then you got the role guys, you know, you got the, uh, who I believe is going to be a star, uh, himself, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh gosh, the, uh, the, the younger, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. I think he's going to be a star. Obviously he needs to get more shots, And things like that, but I think he has the talent level to be a star. Then obviously, you got Aaron Gordon, you got KCP, you got all those guys. So, I would pick the Nuggets to repeat. Uh, but I definitely would, I would, uh, I would pick them coming out of the West because you got the Suns, obviously, they got that three headed monster, Golden State. I was looking at their starting lineup just the other day, and they just are small, too small, and size will get them in the playoffs is we saw what the Lakers did to them last year uh, in uh, the second round. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as the Lakers, like Kelvin said, man, AD, right. like you just, you don't know what you're going to get. You'll have one great game. They don't have a stinker. And, you know, in the playoffs, you just can't afford to just give games away, especially when you're playing against another good team. So I'll pick the Nuggets coming out of the West, the Bucks coming out of the East, just because like what Kelvin said, like the Miami Heat, Obviously they had more of a Cinderella type of story with Jimmy Butler being the only star out there. And they lost a couple of key pieces. Uh, One of them went to the Lakers. Another one of them went to, you know, uh, I forget uh, Struce. I forget. I think it was to the Cavs. Um, So they've lost a couple of key pieces. You look at the Philadelphia 76ers got Nick nurse, but is James Harden going to be there? Is he not? Is he going to be happy? Is he not? And then you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously, as the other uh, top team in the East. Just because I don't know who is actually going to be able to challenge them, just from that standpoint, unless they pee down their leg again, uh, like they did against the Miami Heat this past season. So that's I'll why pick I the Heat,
0: Dame, though. Having Dame yeah. going to be huge,
2: and and that's why, like I said, i will pick them coming out of the East. But I still would say the Nuggets will be too much for them because Jamal Murray isn't as good as Damian Lillard, but I don't think Damian Lillard can cover, or should I say guard, Jamal Murray. It's close.
1: It is. All right, before I give you my finals uh, prediction, let me ask you guys, you got one player to start a franchise with. I'm going to give you two players, the Joker or Giannis. Who are you taking? Wow, you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> Literally, I'm going to. You got to give me one. Come on, because you guys both said the Bucks and the Nuggets. So I'm uh-huh. giving you their two best players. So who are you picking? You're an all-star captain. Who are you picking?
0: I'm going
2: to go. I think it's I think it's an a easy, easy answer.
0: You go first so I can argue your point. <laughs>
2: uh I would go with Joker because Joker is a more natural pure shooter uh than Giannis. Giannis is streaky. Obviously, Giannis is the Greek freak for a reason. But uh I think that in this league, it's a shooter's league. And you have somebody who's able to be a pure shooter. Uh That's what is the mainstay right now in the NBA. And hmm, he can pass like nobody's business. So he definitely can make other people around him better. Giannis can pass a little bit. It's not not like he just can't. But I think that uh, when you look at the way the Denver Nuggets run their offense through Joker, who's what, 6'11", 7' tall or whatever, uh, that right there just speaks to his brilliance uh, with the mindset of being somebody who's more pass-first, Mindset, but also being able to score and being able to always find the open guy throwing balls with you know one hand, shooting like this. Uh so I, I I would go with Joker, not because Greek Freak is a slouch by any stretch, but I feel like you can get more out. I'm sorry, I feel like you get more efficiency with Joker, better shooting, and just a better all-around player, passing, rebounding, scoring, all of that. Let
0: me be the 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 defendant for Giannis. First of all, there's no wrong answer in these two. If you threw in maybe two other names, there could have been a wrong answer. No wrong answer with this because let me say the other side for why it could be Giannis. Eventually, I need a stop in the playoffs, right? True. I need a stop. Good point. You remember Giannis the year he won it. Catches the alley-oop or blocks a shot on one Mm -hmm. end, comes down, catches an alley-oop. Jokic can't do that.
2: So, no, Jokic never even leaves the he his feet never leave the ground. Right.
0: And so why that <laughs> matters to me is why that matters to me is also the physicality. While I can't be maybe efficient shooting, the pressure that Giannis puts on teams and gets uh, foul trouble and just the pressure he puts, the speed he comes at, fast breaks, that is equal to some other things that he that Jokic can do. So also, I worry with Jokic that is he gonna do years? Let's say he wins one more and then gets the one more, but he loses, whatever. Will he hang it up? Like, he worries me that, like, he'll be like, Hey, man, I had a good run, won a couple rings. I'm out.
1: No, I don't think so. He's put too much into this. I mean, Kelvin, look at the way when he came in the league, how overweight he was. Yeah, he wanted to be a better player, and he did everything he could to get to this level. So, there's a love. It's not, This is my job, I like playing basketball. There's a love. You know, there, I, I'm not denying the there. love, but yeah. he strikes me. No, that I think way. what Kelvin's
2: saying is what Kelvin's talking about is that deep burn burning desire, that maniacal desire to want to win four or five or six championships. And he's saying he doesn't think uh Joker has that. And I, I gotta agree with him. Like Joker doesn't strike me as the type that feels that if he doesn't win four or five rings, that his his career will be somehow incomplete or he tainted or something has, like that.
0: – I'm going to say this he to me, and this is a compliment to him because I think needs to be a part of your life like this. And I think LeBron, LeBron has what I'm about to say to an extent, even though he's playing till he's 78. Your identity isn't that. I think with Jokic, he's like, I love it. I play hard. And to your point, works hard. Well, basketball playing,
2: doesn't playing, define
0: playing, me. Playing. But I don't think – to uh, Stan's standpoint he ain't going to retire and be like, oh, I should have. He's going to be like, I gave it all I had. I'm with my wife and family. I'm on my horses. I'm, you know, uplifting my country. And he can be 31 and be A-OK. I had a 10, 12-year yeah. career, won a couple rings, few MVPs. And so that does worry me that, like, will I look up, and in four years, he's like, I had, a, I, I, I had a run. But the answer is no really wrong answer. Literally, there's no
1: wrong answer. DA, who you got? You know what, I think just, man, I love watching both of them, and I'm like, you're right, there is no wrong answer. But I think I, I, what Joker does, like you said, Stan, his passing ability for a big man, I mean, the only really big man I could think that used to pass like this, and I don't know if you guys remember, Arvita Sabonis from the Portland Trailblazers. I remember you know? him. Okay, and so. Bill Walton. And Bill Walton. Those are the only two comparable big men that I can remember passing like him. He's so unorthodox. He's kind of like Luka Doncic. You don't know how to guard him. Yeah. You're like, he just kind of plods along, and he's putting up – I mean, if you were on the playground and you looked, I'm like, this this is the best guy on the team. He's one of the best players in the NBA. There's like no way he he's very unorthodox with everything he does. But man, I mean, MVP a two time MVP, Did you get yeah, and a world champion already. And you know, I, like you said, there's no wrong answer. I mean, you can make the case for Giannis in so many different other ways, but uh, obviously, two of the best players in the NBA. All right, I'll give you my finals pick. I think it's uh, Milwaukee. I don't trust Boston in the East. I know Boston is reloaded, but I, do st- I, I don't I do trust Jason Tatum. I don't trust Jalen Brown, uh, Porzingis. I don't trust the Zoller. I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm going to go with my Warriors. Uh, one last hurrah with this team. I do understand they're small, uh, but I think it's one more final run with with Draymond, Clay Thompson, uh, Steph Curry, and Chris Paul. If Chris Paul don't get it this year, fellas, he ain't never going to get one. It, 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 it's, done. it's done. This is his last best chance. And this is why I think I'm going to go with the Warriors. I know the West is loaded, like I said, with the Lakers, obviously, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, but I don't think the Warriors would beat the Bucks in the NBA Finals. I don't. I think it would be probably five or six games uh, for Milwaukee. I just think that what Dame Lillard brings to that team already with Giannis yeah. and Chris Middleton, uh, I think they're the clear-cut favorites. Uh, I really, really do. So, all right, before we get out of here, we've got to get a prediction for the Raiders uh, and Lions on Monday night. I don't think it's going to be close. Kelvin, I'll start with you. Give me a prediction real quick.
0: Yeah, I think the Lions are, like I said, they're a little ticked off. You know, uh, they, they, the one caveat for in favor of the Raiders is the Lions' secondary is beat up. You got a lot of guys beat up right now, and they're, and they're trying to put a makeshift secondary together. But I think that offense is just too much. As long as they keep a somehow michigan connected guy in Crosby, Eastern Michigan, as long <laughs> as they keep him out of the backfield, you know, he can he's going to have a player, too. He's a, he's a great player, Pro Bowl-caliber player. Uh, I think they'll be fine. I think the Lions put up uh, 32. I'm going to go 32, 32,
1: 17. Wow, 32. So four touchdowns and four two-point conversions. I for think they get it going okay. again.
2: All right. Stan? Uh, I would say, I'd say 28, 16 Lions. Okay. I'm going to go
1: 34, yeah. 17 Lions. I don't think this one is really close. I don't care who's quarterback at Kelvin, the Raiders right now. Their quarterbacks are just throwing interceptions, and that's about, that's about all they're yeah. doing right now for the silver and black. So I think this is a Lions win, and I think it's a rather easy Lions win uh, on Monday night football. So, all right, fellas, great job. Kelvin, really appreciate you joining us. And uh, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For our partner Stanford Route. our guest Kelvin Washington. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner.